Thank you very much, Vince, for reading Psalm 22 for us. Let me have my welcome to Johnny this Good Friday. I wonder how much suffering has scarred your life. How much suffering has scarred the lives of those around you. It's certainly worth being prepared for. Many have cried out to God in desperate need and felt a door slammed in their face, heard the sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside of that door. And after that, silence. Many are left wondering how to respond when abandoned or how to help those who are suffering. The Bible recognises we can feel abandoned and alone. But Psalm 22 gives us a glorious answer. Through suffering, God's faithful king will bless his people. Psalm 22 is written by King David about his suffering. But nearly a millennium later, Jesus suffers on a cross exactly as Psalm 22 predicts. Psalm 22 looks forward to Jesus, God the Son, dealing with suffering once for all. It's why Christians call today Good Friday when we're looking at Jesus suffering on a cross. Uh, Let me explain. The Bible shows us that our sin, our suffering, brought suffering and death into God's perfect world. We naturally ignore the life-sustaining God. And God must punish and destroy sin and rid his world of suffering and death. That wouldn't help us as we'd been destroyed. In his amazing grace, God didn't destroy us as we deserve. God punished our sin in Jesus. God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, chose to take the place of those that turn to him for forgiveness, of those that follow him. It's Good Friday because Jesus defeated death and rose to life. Sin has been dealt with once for all. The future of the Christian is certain. Christians suffer with Jesus now, looking forward to life restored, free from suffering and death. If you'll allow me a very cheap swipe. Unlike our politicians parting until we suffer, sorry, unlike our politicians parting while we suffer, Jesus offers to suffer with you. Unlike Boris and Rishi, who have their own fines to pay to the Metropolitan Police, Jesus offers to pay the fine you owe to God. You have the certain hope of a life free from suffering and death. It's an offer of grace I couldn't refuse and has been a rock through my life. Imagine there's a sport you dream of being good at. The world champion of that sport comes to your club. The world champion singles you out to train with them. Why should you jump at the chance? Well, surely... It's because a world champion has been there, done it, proven they can deliver on your dream of being good at sport. Well, in a similar way, Jesus has done suffering, proven he will deliver on our dream of defeating it. 
That proof is what Psalm 22 is about. The psalm divides into two halves. In the first, we see verses 1 to 21, God's faithful king suffered. Verses 1 to 21, God's faithful king suffered. Follow the verses with me from verse 1. Jesus himself recited verse 1 as he died on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out in anguish, but the anguish continued and continued. Jesus felt God slam the door metaphorically in his face, heard the sound of bolting and double bolting of the door on the inside. After that, silence. This is spiritual abandonment. Our sin separates us from God, the good source of life. Jesus was forsaken for the Christian. So the life-giving relationship between God and a Christian can be restored. What did Jesus do when forsaken? Do you see the answer there in verse 3? Jesus turns to God to save him, even when facing spiritual abandonment. Look carefully with me on to verse 4. Notice as there we've gone from my and I, verses 1 to 2, to they, verse 4. They trusted and you, God, delivered them. They, God's people who trusted him, will be saved. But our nature is to give up on God. Our only hope is to turn to Jesus because Jesus has proven that he can help us to trust even when forsaken. Jesus was abandoned by God for us, but even when abandoned, Jesus always trusted God, his Father. The cross proves Jesus can help us trust God when we are abandoned. On to verse 6 with me, and we're back to the suffering king. Verse 6 describes suffering beyond low self-esteem to no self-esteem. Jesus is taunted till he's seen as less than human, a worm, not a man. This is emotional assassination. On the cross, Jesus took the insults that our sin deserves from God. Verse 6. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. The Bible writers say onlookers hurl insults at Jesus on the cross. Those are fulfilling verses 7 and 8. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. Jesus was literally insulted and killed. His body left to be digested by worms and bacteria. But the same question again. What does Jesus do with no emotional strength left to sustain him? Do you see it in verses 9 and 10? Jesus turns to God to sustain him. To sustain him just as a mother's breast sustains a newborn. As a mother's placenta sustains a fetus. Jesus took the insults hurled at him, 
And as 1 Peter 4.13 reminds us, Christians too rejoice in suffering with Christ because it proves Christ's glorious life is in you. When we are emotionally drained, Jesus has proven he, living in us, can sustain us. Come on with me to verses 11 to 18. And again, we are back to Jesus suffering on the cross. Jesus stared death in the face. This is physical assassination. And Psalm 22 pictures this physical assassination in three ways. We get verse 12 bulls and verse 21 oxen crushing him verse 13 and verse 21 we get predatory lions with their mouths ready to pounce verse 16 and verse 20 dogs ripping the meat off your dead bones king david stared death in the face and trusted god to rescue from him him from it Jesus died, trusting God to defeat death through him. Verse 15, you lay me in the dust of death. Now, verse 14 to 16, David miraculously describes crucifixion nearly a millennium before it's invented. And verse 14 particularly, as a doctor, captured my imagination. It's the image of the stretching of crucifixion as you hang stretched out by your hands and your feet driven in with nails. The the skeleton and the heart stretch so far they stop functioning as a solid. Verse 14, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. No less horrible, verse 15, Jesus' dehydration. Verses 16, the nails driven into his hands and feet. Verse 18, the Roman soldiers divide up the clothes Jesus will no longer need. But, same question again, verses 19 to 21, where does Jesus get the strength to face death for us? Jesus turns to God's strength to defeat even death. Our sin brought death into God's world. Jesus has defeated death, dealt with sin, offers you the strength to live in the face of suffering and death. Isn't that sort of a life worth investigating? A life worth investing in? Isn't it striking? that Jesus faces down suffering in our place on the cross. Jesus doesn't try and avoid it. He turns to God to save him through it. I used to think Jesus had failed me if I'm suffering. It was a mindset change to think as, say, Romans 8 verse 17 puts it. How can I share with Jesus in his sufferings So I share with Jesus in his glory. That made a groundbreaking change the way I care for people. If suffering is a failure, I've got to find something else to make up for it. Uh, For example, I try to find something to say to cheer them up. I call this the life's not so bad approach. 
The obvious problem with that approach is it is limited at best. At worst, it can make people feel you don't get how bad they feel as you try to cheer them up. Psalm 22 reminds us suffering isn't a failure and Jesus can help. Jesus forsaken on the cross wasn't a failure. Through the cross, Jesus dealt with my sin. Jesus calls Christians to share in his suffering. So don't be scared to let people express how unbearable life feels. Bear their pain with them. Because Jesus will keep us trusting God to save. But how does that help us now? And that's what the second half of Psalm 22 goes on to. Uh, We've seen verses 1 to 21, God's faithful king suffered. But we go on to verses 22 to 31 to end all suffering for his people. Verse 22 to 31, God's faithful king suffered to end all suffering for his people. On the cross, sin in Jesus was punished and destroyed for the Christian. So God will keep his promise to restore a sin and suffering free life. Christians share Jesus' suffering now, heading to God's glorious future. For the Christian, there is hope in our suffering. Suffering now to gain a better future is often how the world works. Just imagine all. I often imagine, swimming lessons right at the back there at the beginning. You're just starting to learn to swim. How do you get to swim that first whole length? Well, then you have to listen to what the instructor tells you and practice hard and keep going, even when at some points I felt as though I was going to drown and I kept swallowing water. Suffering now to gain a better future is often how the world works. Jesus leads the Christian now through suffering because it is the way to a glorious future where there will be no more suffering and death. Follow the verses with me. Verses 22 to 24. The suffering of God's King has a purpose. There is a hope to the suffering. Just listen to verse 24. For he, God, has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Verse 25 to 31 goes on. There is a glorious future for the Christian. Do you see verse 29? God's king who died, God's good, life-giving king, will rule again. All who go down to the dust will kneel before God's king, those who cannot keep themselves alive. And let's just use uh, verse 26 as an example, just one of those verses of 25 to 31 of the glorious future. Hearts will live forever. The poor who have nothing will be satisfied and will eat. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. But when you go on to think about it, I still can't quite get my mind around how this works. When does God's king complete this work? I still can't get my mind around. It was completed on the cross. We're just awaiting God's timing for it to begin. Jesus said on the cross, 
if we use 19 verse 30, John 19 verse 30, Jesus said it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus claims those words in verse 31 of Psalm 22, applying it to himself. He has done it. It is finished. He has done it. Jesus completed this work on the cross 2020-ish years ago. Again, this was a complete mindset change for me. Suffering now for future gain is built into the fabric of this world. But society views suffering as to be avoided at all costs. Following Jesus through suffering isn't senseless and meaningless. For the Christian, through suffering comes a glorious hope. So when we care for our friends who are suffering, let's avoid what I call the grin and bear it approach. Uh, the best I can do is help you to grin and bear it. The problem is that whatever you try to make yourself grin, to do that enough to take away the pain will end up crushing you rather than curing the suffering. What the Bible says, and my experience, is only Jesus through the cross gives you a hope worth suffering for. Our hope as Christians is not in our circumstances. Our hope is in our God who controls our circumstances. In suffering, God is our hope. This Good Friday, where will you turn in suffering? To the life's not so bad or the grin and bear it approach? Psalm 22 urges you to cling to Jesus who was forsaken for us and the glorious future Jesus achieved through the cross. Let me pray. Lord God, thank you for the extent you suffered on the cross so that we can follow you in the certain hope of an end to suffering and pain. In Jesus' name, amen.